following is a podcast from Echo, a student ministry at Victory Family Church. We meet every Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. For more info, check us out on Instagram at echo.victory. Echo, how are we doing this morning? No, that, that quiet? Are you guys awake? Let me hear you. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Nice. Yeah, it didn't catch on, but good try. I appreciate it. Um, as they just said, I am Zeke Stroop. Um, you guys probably see me around. I serve Sundays, so I'm here pretty much every single week. Um, and this is my, yeah, hi, Carmela. Um, this is my first sermon officially. Um, so if you like it, let me hear you. Give, give me some responses, you know, maybe an amen or a come on. And if you don't like it, just play along and be nice because it's my first one, okay? I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, but I want to get right into it, so if you guys could bow your heads, we're just going to start with a prayer. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for every person in this room, every person here serving you, and every person here to listen. We pray that your presence falls here, and you guide us and open our hearts to give us everything so that we can receive everything you have for us today. Amen. All right. Hey, just so you know, you guys can start looking if you got your Bible or your uh, Bible app. We're going to stay in Ezekiel 34, chapter 34 out of Ezekiel, the entire message. So if you guys want to open that up while we get started. Um, I am a teacher at Seneca Valley, 7th and 8th grade. Seneca Valley people, let me hear you real loud in here. Yeah. Oh, that's a good response. Okay. Now, everyone not from Seneca Valley, let's, let's do it even louder. Go ahead. Yeah. Seneca, we like to think we're cool because we're here in Cranberry, but there are other people out there. I want you to know that. There are other people, and they're pretty cool, too. Um, so, who here has been loving school so far this year? Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of hands. That's good. Who's, who's willing to volunteer one reason why school's amazing so far? All right, back there. Good. Yell it real loud. All right, a lot of choice, really awesome teachers. What about you? All right, so they're giving them a little bit of freedom. Yeah, back there. All right, man, you guys got some good teachers. That's what I'm talking about. Well, listen, I love school too. That's some stuff from my school. Um, Peyton's here. I saw her back there. She can attest to this. I am a straight goofball. And when we have class, it is just outrageous. Like, I'm all about the fun and content comes second, but we still learn sometimes. Um, but we just love to have a lot of fun. In that right side, even when it's a bad day, you really can't tell, but it was like pouring down rain. We're outside for track. So when, when kids come in with a rainy day, we just wipe that mud on our face and keep on having fun. Um, but I have, I have an important question, too, is all you people that have loved school so far, how many of you have stopped took some time this year to bring someone new into your group. How many of you maybe reached out to someone who needed help or even taken notice to the one that might not have gotten off to such a great start this year? Yeah, because let's be real, after the first few weeks, like those first two, three weeks, your teachers are having a ton of fun. But after that, it kind of stops because you're like, oh my goodness, I got to actually teach so then they feel behind, and then they start pumping you in with content and information, and friendships and relationships and fun kind of just pause and go to the wayside, right? We all feel this. And then 
you start getting pumped with all that, and then you get homework assignments, and so you're doing hours of homework at home, and we're probably playing some sports, so you have sports practices, and then your parents, after all that, tell you you got to take the garbage out, clean your room, and do the dishes, and you get all these responsibilities. And when does that leave us any time to even relax ourselves, let alone if we can't even keep up with what our doing, we're doing, how do we have time to look out for those that might need us? So my thing here, that brings us to our title of our sermon, if we got it up there, which is the focus of one, the focus of one, because we can either pay attention to ourselves, that one, or we can pay attention to the one who's lost, right? And what's great is this isn't just us, this isn't a new thing, God actually talked about this all the way back in Ezekiel, and we're going to hit right into our first uh, thing of scripture here, it's pretty long, so just do a favor, follow along with me, and then we'll break it down. So, son of man, prophesy against the shepherd leaders of Israel. Yes, prophesy. Tell those shepherds, God the master says, doom to you shepherds of Israel, feeding your own mouths. Aren't shepherds supposed to feed the sheep? You drink the milk, you make the clothes from the wool, roast the lambs, but you don't feed the sheep. You don't build up the weak ones, you don't heal the sick, you don't doctor the injured, you don't go after the strays, you don't look for the lost. You bully and badger them, and now they're scattered every which way. Because there was no shepherd, scattered in easy pickings for wolves and coyotes, scattered. My sheep, exposed and vulnerable across mountains and hills. My sheep, scattered all over the world and no one out looking for them. So God takes a moment there and he calls out the self-absorbed, right? He calls out the people who, you know, aren't looking out for the flock but looking for themselves. The people, let's face it, this world is busy. And it's getting busier and busier, and it's money-driven, and it's just success-driven. We're all trying to hit this bar that just keeps getting pushed further and further uh, up. And we're image-driven. With social media, we're continuously comparing ourselves to everyone else's highlight reel. And so it leaves us trying to reach all those things, and we're not looking for the lost, and we're leaving the lost to be lost. And then it says there that that's easy pickings for our enemy, for the devil, right? Because... When they're alone, they're temporarily weak. And we're leaving it to be easy for the, for the devil to come in there and say all the lies that he wants to say about you. Alone is where our enemy feasts. We're not meant to do life alone. So I have a question, a really serious question for everyone. is: What do you have to do? What do you have to change to notice the one who's distancing themselves from the herd? How can you be the one to take notice to potentially save someone's life? And what's great is we don't serve a God that just leaves us that question and then lets us figure it out ourselves. He models it for us. So if we go up there, we're going we're gonna to start seeing the next thing that he does here. And he starts telling us promises. And in these promises, he models exactly what a good shepherd would do. So he's speaking to us how to be a good shepherd. And also to those that don't have someone in their life, he promises what he's going to do. So he starts after that little bit of uh, scripture. And he promises that he is the shepherd himself. People are going to fail. Because we're human, right? We're going to fail. And when, when, when people fail, we can always fall on God. Because he said, I'm stepping in. I'm going to be the shepherd from now on. And then he says, I'm going to go after the ones who are scattered by the storms. What's the storm in your life? Those of you that may not be off to such a good start this year, what is it? Is it bad grades? You know, your academics are falling. Is it, are you not succeeding in the sports you did or your activities? Maybe your best friend you've had since you were in first grade or kindergarten all of a sudden doesn't want to hang out with you and is in a new group. Maybe there's family issues at home that no one knows about. Or maybe you suffered loss. Whatever those storms are, 
God says he's going after you. He's, he still wants you. He wants you more in that moment than he's ever wanted you in his entire life. Okay? And then he's persistent. What I want you to know is, well, let me ask a question. Who here gets annoyed when someone repeats things over and over again? Anyone have a mom that's like, did you take out the garbage? And then like th three seconds later, he's like, did you take it out? That's, that's my mom. It's horrible. Right? But this is one where you're probably not going to be annoyed. I couldn't think of a better thing to be repeated than that God's going to come after us. He says ten times in five lines that he's going to come after the sheep who are scattered. Ten times. God wanted to make a point that he said it ten times that when you're lost, he's coming after you in five sentences. That's something. I don't know. I mean, that's an amen moment for me that God is going to seek me out. And he says it ten times just so he knows he's always going to answer. Next, he says he's going to bring them in. He's going to help them find their home. Right? He's going to help you find your place. Then he's going to protect and provide for you until you're ready. Right? He's going to build you up and make sure that no one can ever take advantage of you again. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's good. Nice. But there's a question, another question, and that is to all you that are hurting, are you going to answer his calls? Right? He's always calling. He just said it ten times in five sentences, but are you going to answer the call? Are you going to trust that someone is out there, there's actually someone out there that's ready to help you instead of hurt you more? Are you going to give them a chance? That's the question today for you. And I know it's not always easy. You've been hurt, and you've never seen no one showing you love now. Why would you trust that some God who let this all happen to you, you know, in your mind, why would you trust him? That's why we need everyone else to show God's love. We have to be the ones to show these other people, that God is here to help them, not hurt them. And we need to be right alongside them in their journey. But we don't want to be too close. Does anyone here have someone too close in their life, maybe like a sibling? Who has siblings in here? Yeah, who is really annoyed sometimes by their siblings always being around them? Yeah, yeah. That kid's like, I got a story for you. If I could have this mic, y'all would be laughing right now. Um, me too. Can I, can I like... Take a little rabbit trail, tell you a story about when I was a little kid. Christopher, my cousin's here. He probably saw me and my brother used to fight really bad, just like him and his brother. And so we were at a wedding one time, my cousin's wedding. We were in a hotel. And so we have a room upstairs, and all the adults are downstairs. And we're like, let's go up there. Now, naturally, me and my brother, we wrestle. And so naturally, all the cousins want us to wrestle. Now, I was in fifth grade, and my brother's in eighth grade. So take a look around at the fifth graders and imagine them wrestling the eighth graders. It's not going to go well for the fifth grader, no matter how hard he tries. So finally, I agree, and I give in. I said, fine. All right, I'll do it. But we got to agree we're not going to do any painful moves. And you, you know what you do with a sibling. That lasts all of like 10 seconds into the match, right? And so the first move he puts me in is called a banana split. You could imagine, and I'm going to let your imagination play with that, it doesn't feel good. Probably the most painful move in the game. So I'm laying there, you know, about ready to cry, and I have, you know, my decision-making skills. I could fight or flight. So what do I do? I sit up and pop him right in the face. Yep, that was my fight, one punch, and now I better fly out of there before he whoops my butt. So I pop him, and I run. And it was like a movie. Like, I knew exactly where the elevator was. I'm, like, sprinting. He's, like, ah, coming after me. And I'm, like, come on, close that door. And it shuts right in front of his face. I'm, like, whew. And then I'm, like, oh, no. We're on the third floor. 
he's going to run down these steps, and i got to beat him in a foot race from the steps to the, to the you know, reception. So I get out of there, and I'm sprinting, and I'm like, I get in there, and I see my parents, and I'm like, yes, Zach's not here. So I was like, Mom, Mom, Dad, Zach was so mean, he's horrible. And they're like, because everyone's there, and I'm causing a scene in front of, like, hundreds of our family members and friends. And so Zach gets there, and they grab him, and I'm like, yeah, I won that round. Point to the little brother. Until Zach told him that I punched him in the face. Then I got it, too. So it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Now, this is going somewhere, right? We all fight with our siblings or someone, and it's always a fight to who gets first, right? You want the first. You want first choice because you know your sibling is not leaving you anything if, if you don't get there first. But in real life, well, you know what? Let's play a game. There's some things you probably fight with with your siblings, so we're going to run through some pictures. We're going to play a game called This or That. I'll explain a situation. A picture will correlate to a this or that, and then you all tell me which one you'd pick. So if we get the first picture up there, something you probably fight about. When there's food in the home and your mom tells you dinner's ready, you want the first. It doesn't even matter if you're hungry or not. You're going to eat as much as possible so your brother gets the least amount or your sister, right? So if you all go down and there's a cake down there, do you want this, which is that last little crumb that he left you but he didn't even mean to, he just didn't realize it was there, or do you want that where you get to take your big piece? Ready? This or that? Go. That. Right. Okay. Next one. We got another one. Who here fights for that front seat in that car? Because, yes. Oh, my gosh. Because that means you got radio control. Yeah. Radio control. That's a big deal. So do you want this, which is front seat, or that, which is back seat? Let me hear you go. This. Yeah. All right. One more. We got one more here. Now, the television, that is prime real estate. And, boys, I know you're trying to fight for that Fortnite. And, girls, I know all you, all you ladies, you're just really excited for My Little Pony, right? No? Okay, okay. Well, maybe it's not My Little Pony, but who can agree TV is prime real estate? You know, you got your time right there. Yes. 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 All right. So that brings me to my point is some of us, might always, be, might always be dealing with seconds. Maybe not with your sibling, but in life, you feel like you're always getting that leftover. You're never getting first choice. Does anyone even know I'm here? And you're, you're just left picking up the little bit of attention, little bit of love that you need, and you're getting those leftovers just like you do in those sibling moments. But what's great is, if we go to the next slide here, God continues in Ezekiel 34, and he says, he's a God of firsts. He's a God of first. We serve a God of first. He's not second. He is first. And with him, oh, no, go back. Go back a slide there. Yep. With him, we're not stuck with the leftovers. It's not like that. We're not stuck with leftovers. We don't get second choice, right? He has a plan, and it's always leading us to our best possible life. Always. Always. His plan is way better than ours. Now, I want to take a moment and clarify something, though. When we invite God into our life, that doesn't mean that it's going to be like peachy keen and everything you want is going to happen. Because guess what? God has a plan, and it's not necessarily our plan, right? God has a plan. So we may feel like God isn't answering me, and I'm all alone here. But that just means he's shutting doors that you might think you want because what you thought was good, and he has you on a path to God. God is great, right? He's going to shut the door to the good and get you to the great. So while you may think for a minute he's not answering you and he's leaving you for seconds, that's because he's holding you for that opportunity that's even better than anything you could dream of. So I did want to clarify that for you. 
All right, we got another slide come up. And now we're going to hop back into Scripture again. And he says, I'll appoint one shepherd over them all, my servant David. He'll feed them. He'll be their shepherd. And I, God, will be their God. My servant David will be their prince. I, God, have spoken. So here, God's actually pointing to Jesus. He's saying, I'm going to come in. I got this. I'm going to pick up where humans, you know, fall short. But also, if you look at it, he's saying he's going to use one man to reach every single person. He said, this guy, David, he's going to feed everyone. He's going to guide everyone. And the great thing is God's not asking you to do that. He's not. He needs our help. 100% he needs our help. But he's not asking us to do it all. Imagine if you just brought one person in. If you reached out to one person in your school or your friend group and brought them in. Imagine what this church would look like. Imagine what your school would look like. Imagine what even your family would look like. He just asks us to help. And then he continues, so he, he takes a little sideline there, and he continues with more promises. I don't know about you, but I love a promise from God. And so he goes to another, another piece of promises that will be coming up there. And he says, I'll make a covenant of peace with them. Oh, back one, jumping the gun. I'll make a covenant of peace with them. I'll banish fierce animals from the country so that sheep can live safely in the wilderness and sleep in the forest. I'll make them and everything around my hill a blessing. I'll send down plenty of rain in the season, showers of blessing. The trees in the orchard will bear fruit, and the ground will produce. They'll feel content and safe on their land, and they'll realize that I am God when I break them out of their slavery and rescue them from their slave masters. So now you can go to that next one. So let me break this down to you because that sounded a little, little heavy. God promises us peace first off, peace. Who here could use a little peace in your life? You're maybe a little anxious. You're about to take that quiz. You've got so much work. You don't know how you're going to fit it into your schedule. He promises peace first and foremost. He's going to give you peace, supernatural peace in those moments. He promises you safety. You don't have to worry. You're safe. He's got you. Then I really want to focus on these next two. He says he's going to make everything around his hill a blessing. So, guys, it's not a win-lose when you serve God and you, you go help someone. Like, I know you're giving up time. You might be giving up resources to reach out to somebody. But it's not like just that person wins. God promises everything around that hill will be blessed. So when you take out, when you take a step and you decide to serve God or reach out to someone, you're going to receive a blessing too. It's not just for that person. You both will be elevated. Yeah, I love, these girls are on fire. Thank you. Everyone comes up. When the sea rises, all the ships come up. And then he goes on. Again, he's repeating. He's emphasizing to us. He says, I'm going to bring down. So he already told you you're blessed. And then he says, I'm going to bring showers of blessing. I don't know about you. When you forget something in your car and you need it and you look outside and it's raining and it's storming and you're like, oh, and then you take off running. No matter how fast you run, what happens when you go out in a, a rain shower? Yeah, you're soaked. You're soaked. You're, you're drenched. You're covered in it. And that's what he's saying. So I'm going to bless you. But if you don't believe me, after I bless you some, I'm going to bring showers of blessing. So you're you already blessed and now you're getting covered. You're drenched in blessings. He makes that a point. This isn't like something where you're just giving up. You're receiving as well. And I just wanted to bring that out. Like you're going to be blessed along this process, whether, you, whether you're just taking your first steps towards God or whether you're the one reaching out and bringing someone alongside you and guiding them. And then he's going to bring results. He's going to banish those beasts or the storms from your life, those storms we thought about earlier. He's going to take care of those. They might not go away, but he's going to help you to deal with them. He's going to give you just wisdom and and courage to, to deal with those, and then transformation. He's going to transform you with God. 
to places that you couldn't even imagine. You plan right now your plan of what it looks like in five years, and if you follow God and, and live in his word, you won't even recognize that because it won't look anything like that. And when you get there, you won't even recognize the life you had five years before. I can promise you it's, it's yeah. <clears throat> I've seen this in my life. I look back, and as I thought about this, and I, I was looking back and trying to come up with some stories here to tell you, and it was like I almost forgot them. I couldn't even recognize where I was. And whenever I thought back to that, I would have never predicted I'd be where I am now. I'll tell you a real quick story. When I was coming out of college, it was said to be really hard to get a teaching job, right? And where I was student teaching, two jobs opened up right in my certification. I thought I'm a shoe in Everyone was telling me I'm going to get hired. And then I watched a bunch of doors get slammed right in my face, things that should have never happened. Now, me, I thought, God, what are you doing, right? But God knew what he was doing the whole time. He had a, long, he had a better plan than my plan. Because that would have put me an hour away from my family, living on my own, making less money than I make now. He knew. So I came back, and I was serving, actually, at Community Days, Cranberry Community Days, with Matt Brown, who directs all of student ministries. And he asked me, as we started talking, he said, why aren't you serving with our middle school? I told him, I said, I would, but I don't know where I'm going to be in two weeks. Because at that point, Seneca Valley was interviewing me, and that was the only school in Pennsylvania. The rest were in Virginia. I thought I was about to be leaving. So I told him that day after talking to him, I said, I will ser I'll serve a church. I'll serve God if I'm here. And after I made that commitment, three days later, I got a call and I got hired. But it was for one year. So again, I thought, God, you gave me this, but you I got seconds. I got the leftovers. I'm going to have to reapply next year, and then who knows where I'll be. So I taught that, and I'm teaching reading. I didn't know how to teach reading. I was a science teacher. And then whenever it came to the next year, I keep falling short. I had 14 interviews. And I took second every time they called me and told me, you were just that close. And then I put in for a position I never thought I should have got. I was not qualified for teaching gifted. But then it all made sense. They were looking for someone with a science background that could also teach reading. And God's plan was revealed. I had to teach that year of reading temporarily to allow me to be in this position now. There was the way better than any, anything I could ever dream of. So my plan was good, but his plan was God. It was great. And I just want to tell you, if you take that walk with God, you won't even recognize where you're at in five years because it'll be better than you could ever think. <laughs> worship, you guys could enter right now. Um, and as worship comes up, we're going to throw up our final slide of the message here. And on this final slide, he says, to end the scripture, they'll know beyond doubting you are mine and I am yours. I know we just made some noise. That's a great moment. Am I back? Am I back? All right, we're back. Yes. So they'll know beyond doubting, you are mine and I am yours. That is a moment to make some noise. I don't know. When, the, when God tells you he is ours, I am yours, that's a beautiful thing. And he repeated that all the way through. Ten times he's coming to look for you. Two times he's going to bless you. And he made all of these promises to you. I don't know if there's a better person that could be claiming that we are his and he is yours. And again, he's saying, when you look back, you'll know without a doubting. Because he's telling you, I'm promising so much blessings, you won't even recognize it. It's going to be something so crazy that the only thing you could attribute this to is God. You can never say that that was you. That was the only way it was possible was that God stepped in and did it. So I want to transition here um, because there are some people, if we go back to the beginning, that 
They might be lost and they may not know Jesus. Maybe you've never dedicated your lives to him. I want to take a moment and give you a chance to do that today because this will be the best decision that you've ever made. I pray that you're brave and courageous and give God a chance. Know with everything we've just heard and what God said is that he's not here to hurt you, but here to help you. He wants to heal you. He's never going to let you down. Even when you feel like he might be, no, there's a better plan. He's working his plan, not yours. And he's always leading you to a better place than you could even imagine yourself. So I pray that you open your hearts to him today. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And the Bible also tells us that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life and believe that God raised him from the dead, that you're going to be saved. So if everyone would close their eyes and bow their heads, I want to take a moment and slip up those hands if that's you. If you want all those things we talked about today, just slip up those hands right now. I see that hand. I see that hand. Be brave, be courageous. You guys can put your hands down. For those of you, again, he promised he's going to call. He said it ten times in five sentences. You may feel that, that little tingle in your chest. You might feel something pulling at you, something, something saying in your mind. Guys, know that's God. He's reaching out to you in this moment right here. Know that I'm not going to embarrass you. No one's even going to know you did it. Let me give you one more chance to slip up those hands if that's you. If God's tugging on your heart, will you answer his call today? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. Amazing. Way to be brave. I see that hand. Thank you so much for answering that call. You won't regret it. Real quick, we're going to all pray together. Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for my sins. And Jesus, I receive you to be my Lord. I am a child of God. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to invite worship up. I want everyone to come on up. Let's celebrate all those people that just gave their lives to Jesus. Thank you, guys.